Well, hello. And here we are. It's going to be, by the time this goes out, it will be the 30th of March for sure. And what are we talking about? Ukraine. I'm talking about Ukraine. You're talking about Ukraine. The world is talking about Ukraine. And where are we at here? Let's just revise a little. We have Russia desperate to see the independence of the two republics in the Donbass. I mean, what are we talking about, the Donbass republics? Luhansk and Donetsk. Donetsk is below Luhansk. They're both part of the Donbass, which is a coal mining region, a historic coal mining region, a rich industrial region of Ukraine. But the two republics, or there were oblasts in, in Ukraine's terms, or regions of Ukraine, the two republics, Russia's pushing for their independence. Now, where is the bottom line here? The bottom line is, of course, Mariupol, because Mariupol is the port for these two republics, for the Donbass region, for Donetsk and Luhansk. It is right there. It's in smack dab in the middle on the seafront of the Sea of Azov, which accesses down to Ukraine and through onto the Black Sea. I mean, it's... Tremendously important, Mariupol is, if you're going to have sustainable provinces or whatever you like to call them, republics in Donetsk and Luhansk. It's the one place Russia will have failed in its strategy if it fails to take Mariupol. And it's the one place that the Ukraine's forces, Ukraine's armed forces, are defending to the death to the death of all the people in Mariupol because they're starving and have to flee or... I mean, it's miserable. Conditions in other parts of Ukraine are are miserable enough. But Mariupol is destroyed, shattered, will not surrender, or at least the armed forces of Ukraine that are defending it will not surrender or will not surrender the city of Mariupol, the port city of Mariupol. I mean, it's an irony, really. It's it's partly it's symbolic. The Russians have built a bridge between Crimea and Russia, which actually, talk about cutting off your nose to spite your face, it's so low that you can't get big warships under it, uh, or big freighters. They, they, they did this when they weren't thinking straight, but the Russians often don't think straight. This recently built bridge, and had... <laughs> They not build the bridge. It's a huge bridge. Had they not built the bridge, they could have. They'd have been in a better position to seize Mariupol, perhaps. Anyway, this is key. The city of Mariupol is key. It is the key. And I don't think I may be mistaken, but I don't think the Russians are going to seize, sue for peace until they seize Mariupol. What a tragedy that is. I mean, the Russians are complaining, of course, that the the West is getting a one-sided picture, and that if the, we went to, uh, if a reporter would come, if a Western reporter would come to the Dondash and and go to Angel Al, Angel's Alley, they call it, where where they are bombarded by Ukraine, they say. Well, I suppose they are. It's a two-way street, isn't it? This this fighting. Uh, but um, they say we'd have a different picture. But of course, the West has no 
reporters on the Russian side, embedded with Russian forces or whatever, because we choose not to. And that's understandable, I suppose. We are on Ukraine's side. We are not neutral in this war. Nor could we be, you might argue. What a vicious war. How What staggering cruelty. Of course, it's not on the same scale as Yemen or Syria at its worst. But it's pretty hideous. And the death and the destruction and the displacement of people is staggering. Absolutely staggering. So Russia wants special status of some kind for the Donbass publics. It was talking about getting rid of Nazism in Ukraine. What does it mean by that? It means it regards, I mean, it's a ridiculous statement because, of course, the president of Ukraine, the current president of Ukraine, is Jewish. But what they mean is they don't like the the right-wing uh, leanings of the Ukraine state in in a sense that it's anti-Soviet, so it's moved, has moved to the right. What do you do about that? Well, gratefully, Russia has given up that that ambition to depose the present government in Ukraine, or claims to have. It's no longer on their agenda. They currently no longer want to get rid of what they call Nazism in Ukraine. They do, however, want Ukraine as a neutral state. And to be fair, the president of Ukraine is willing to go down that street, that road, that path. He wants a referendum. He wants to see a referendum before it happens. But he says, OK, sure, neutral, we'll be neutral. Russia, in turn, says, OK, that's great. Then we don't mind if you join the European Union, as long as you don't join NATO. It's curious, isn't it? Way back, way back when, Chancellor Willy Brandt gave assurances to Khrushchev that, that Ukraine would never... Ukraine and all the former Soviet Socialist Republics would never join NATO. But those assurances from Willy Brandt and others were not written down at the time in a treaty. So Russia, well, Khrushchev and the others lost the plot, didn't they? However, now it's a big issue. It's understandably a big issue. I remind you that Ukraine is uh, to the south of Belarus, to the east of Moldova, right under Russia, underneath Russia, underneath Russia. So it's a huge issue. These two regions, of course, Stalin, they, 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 they appealed to join Russia when in the formative years when Stalin was carving up the country and creating these republics, these socialist republics. Under the Tsar, of course, um, these were all of Ukraine was part of Russia, and they appealed to be part of Russia, not part of, or at least the population did, or representatives of them. And Stalin said, "No, you forget it. You belong in Ukraine. You can strengthen up that new region I'm building there." And now that little cherry is back in the middle of the cupcake, causing us trouble. Blast it! It's it's terrible that what is happening in Ukraine. I mean, the cruelty of the Russian forces in their bombardment, which has been ruthless. But 
we want a resolution of this thing. And to be fair, it's achievable if we look at it rationally. I mean, so Russia wants the Donbass, Luhansk and Donetsk. Fine. Not an issue, really. The president of Ukraine has said as much. I mean, the president of Ukraine says he's not going to mess with the territorial integrity of Ukraine, but he recognizes that there will be special status for Luhansk and Donetsk and Crimea. He recognizes these things. We don't have an issue with regard to the neutral neutrality of Ukraine. Already, they're willing to go down that road. I mean, there's a lot of posturing and talk of referendums and so on, but referendums, Ukraine is huge on referendums. We had one for the Russians, did one in Crimea. They've done them in Luhansk and, and Donetsk. None of these things are truly democratic, but so what? I mean, it's a way forward. A peace deal is there on the table. Just have to do it. What's the sticking point? What's the problem? The problem is Mariupol, that port, that city. Ukraine's forces won't surrender. Russia won't do a deal without it. So this pathetic war goes rumbling on and on and on. And the West does what? Put sanctions on oligarchs? Do you think Putin cares? Putin, I remind you, regards the moment of greatest shame as when Russia was so bankrupt that it had to sue for loans from the West and had to sell off all its industry, Western style, in privatization deal for pennies to wealthy Russians. For pennies. Putin regards that as Russia's great shame. And the West thinks that by, by somehow sanctioning these rich Russians he's going to be punishing Putin Putin is delighted to see them suffer he's been trying to poison one of them lately the erstwhile owner of Chelsea Football Club come on wake up you think that punishes Russia punishing oligarchs no that pleases King Putin of Russia very much just go right ahead and seize the money. He despises them. And he's been trying to poison them of late. Those old-fashioned KGB ways. So who are sanctions punish punishing? Who are we punishing? We're punishing the ordinary people of Russia, not Mr. Putin. Do you know, just this morning, there was an announcement that... 2,000 tons of seed potatoes going to Russia from Scotland, ready to be loaded onto a ship, were now not to be delivered. Now, who are you punishing? Who are you punishing? The ordinary Russian people. Pathetic. They have a hard time. You think by punishing the ordinary Russian people, you're going to win freedom for Ukraine? You just cause pain. We just cause pain. Those 2,000 tons of Scots seed potatoes going and no longer going to Russia. 
uh, just one of a myriad of examples. So the Ukraine war causes cruelty on cruelty. Russia is cruel to Ukraine, we are cruel to Russia, and we cut off our own noses to spite our little faces because we're cruel to our own pensioners and our poor. I've just had a letter. My electricity bill here in Cornwall, it's going up. And they know how much it goes up. You know, I spent £1,500 on electricity of the past year, and the electricity company has sent me a note saying they project that in the coming year, if I consume the same amount of electricity, it'll cost me £2,435. It's up by nearly a thousand pounds on what it was. It was fifteen hundred pounds. Now it's nearly two and a half thousand pounds. My electricity bill. God knows how poor people. This is all because of. It's all because of the Ukraine war, primarily, and our sanctions. <laughs> so what are we achieving? We're making the Russian people suffer. We're making the British and American and European people suffer and has no impact, no impact at all on the war in Ukraine. How do we get an end to this? We need real pressure to have done with it. I mean, Putin is Putin straight from the streets of St. Petersburg. His motto is from his childhood days on the street was if you're in a fight and the fight is inevitable, punch first. He's that sort of guy. 22 years, Russia's president, the longest serving dictator, one of the longest serving dictators in the world. He's a dictator. Russia's a dictatorship. Russia's always been a kind of dictatorship. From the Tsars to Stalin to Putin, Russia's never had genuine democracy. Mind you, neither has Ukraine, really. Come on. I mean, the last president elected by all of Ukraine was pro-Russian, if you can call it an election. I mean, most of the countries in the Middle East are not democratic. Most of the, over, over, well over a third of the countries in the world are not democratic. Possibly you could argue some 50% are not genuinely democratic. I mean, what you're going to call China democratic? Where's a democratic country? They are comparatively if you, if you looked at a map of the world and colored it blue for democracy and red for, for non-democracy, most of the world would be colored red. True democracies are in a minority. So what do we do? We fight for freedom, we fight for a better world, and we do it as best we can by bringing about peace, by making efforts to sit down at the negotiating table and I'm sorry, but Mariupol needs to be negotiated away with Donetsk and Luhansk just because enough blood has been spilt. That's what I believe, anyway. You may not think like I do. You probably don't. I think Ukraine, neutral status, Luhansk, Donetsk, and Crimea, they're out of Ukraine as we know it. And then we're there. We have a way forward. There is no other way but unending, grinding war like it's been in Syria for a decade, like it is in Yemen. No, enough already. You think it's wrong to negotiate 
with somebody you disagree with, with an enemy that you despise? Well, then it's war you want. You want war. You want more war. There's a way out here. Time to take it because the alternative is horrible. Thank you. God bless. Bye.